Let's go to John chapter 15. John 15 and 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Father, we're so thankful today for your holy written word. It is life to us. Lord, we seek wisdom and instruction from heaven today. May our eyes be opened. May our ears be opened to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, that we might be thoroughly equipped and furnished unto every good work, ready and prepared for the Master's use. Lord, we give you all the glory for every good thing that's accomplished in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we began a series of teachings a few weeks ago called Picked to Produce. And uh, anybody ready for some more of that today? Yeah. I trust you come with a heart expectant of the Lord to speak to you. We're not just here doing a man's business. We're not just here carrying out our own plan. I'm really convinced that God is speaking, that He is moving and He is doing things. And it's, of course, evident through changed lives and, and, and bodies turned around and you know bodies healed and lives changed and marriages fixed and addictions broken and all the good things that, that God is doing to help people. And, uh, and, and for many of us, we're, we're becoming more and more fruitful for the Lord producing fruit that remains. Let's read our scripture here in John 15, verse 16. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And so the Lord has designed, he's called, he's appointed, he has picked us so that we might produce fruit for the kingdom of God, so that our lives might be of, of more value and of more um, influence than, than just, you know, natural things that are before us today, but that things forever will result in what the Lord does through our lives. And so how does the Lord um, help us to produce more fruit? Of course, if we're in Him, connected to the vine, that's essential. Uh, but then the, the, the Scripture says in the first part of this chapter that we read earlier on in this series that the Lord prunes us, right? He trims. He cleans. How does He do that? Well, not through what many people have been taught through religion, that He'll you know, kill the cat and run over your dog and give you cancer and, and uh, take your job and, and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. People have been taught that in church. It's amazing that someone would teach that about our Father who loves us. But no, no, no. He speaks to us. That's the way that He cleans and prunes and, and prepares us to bear more fruit. He speaks to us. His Word changes our lives, gets all the dead branches off the vine. So we're able to produce more, right, at the right time. Praise God. And so we're endeavoring to uh, follow after Him and seek Him and, and let His Word do a work in our lives. And so that's what we're here about today, all right, to get into the Word of God. And chicka, 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 chicka. if it's uncomfortable at any time, uh, don't be concerned about that. Get your eye on the fruit that will start abounding more and more in your life if you'll yield. Now, don't run out in the middle of a trimming, all right, <laughs> you know, praise God, you don't, you know, you don't want to leave the, the, leave your stylist when half your head's done, right, you, you don't look right, something's strange about you, 
<laughs> and you don't want to leave church <laughs> in the middle of a pruning. Amen. So we're letting the Word of God clean us up, uh, get us air, help us get our act together so that we can produce more fruit for the kingdom. All right. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And so these are some quite... uh, these are quite outstanding and amazing promises the Lord has given us here. We've, get, we, we've been given some instructions as to some key components to our fruitfulness. And if we'll have those things in play in our lives, we know the Bible says we won't ever stumble. We will not ever fall. I don't know about you, but that's good news. I don't like to fall. <laughs> I don't like to fall physically. Definitely don't want to fall in my walk with the Lord, my spiritual life. I want to remain standing all my days, and this is exactly how I can do it. So it doesn't need to be a mystery. I don't need to be, a, be confused. If I do trip up, I don't need to say, I don't know why this happened. Because I do know why it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And if I'll do the things the Lord instructs me to do, I'll have the results that he said I would have when doing them. And so we, we, we spoke to you a couple weeks ago about this subject of virtue or excellence and maintaining or and, and establishing an attitude of excellence and not mediocrity in our lives that's an essential part to the christian life and then we were talking to you last week about the subject of knowledge and how many know one of the things we need trimmed off us is ignorance ignorance can be a great hindrance in life it's very inconvenient and especially when it comes to the kingdom of God, to try to walk with God and, and overcome and have victory in your life everything that he promised but without knowledge man it's crippling it is. And I don't know how many of you looked ahead into the list. <laughs> um, ushers block the doors. <laughs> Let's talk about another subject here today that we need to add to our, <laughs> our knowledge. And that is, do you see? Self-control. All right. We need to add self-control. This is an important subject. And uh, I-, I was looking up some various words. Greek words that were translated self-control in the New Testament. And these are some of the words and phrases that were brought out. Self-restraint. When someone has self-control, they are able to restrain themselves from certain activity and behavior. Uh, They they control themselves or restrain themselves. Do you have any restraints on you? Self-imposed, I mean guidelines, you know, curbs in your life that you say, I'm going to put these on, I'm just not going to go over there. That's a good idea. It really is. Um, Another phrase used is strong in a thing. Strong in a thing. When a person has self-control, they are strong in something as opposed to being weak 
All right, person without self-control, they are weak concerning many things. They're faced with challenges, they're faced with temptation, they're faced with uh, opposition, and they are weak towards that. That means they give in, that means they are overcome by it, but a person with self-control is strong. I don't know about you, but that's appealing to me. I want to be strong in something. I don't want to be mowed over in life. I don't want to be run over by circumstances. I want to be strong in a thing. Another word is masterful. The person who is self-controlled is masterful. They have, they have mastery over what? Well, over themselves. Before you and I ever, are ever going to have mastery over our circumstances and over things external, we first must have mastery over things internal. Okay, And we know this, that when we talk about mastering ourselves, having control in ourselves, we are three parts, right? Remember that. We are spirit, soul, and body. The scripture tells us, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, one example. We know that when, when Jesus comes in, our spirit is made brand new. We've, we receive the life of God, the nature of God. We receive his righteousness inside our spirit. So your spirit's not giving you any trouble. If someone said, hey, man, I've been having a hard day. What's wrong? My spirit's really been giving me a hard time. That's not right. <laughs> if you're a child of God, your spirit's not giving you any trouble, but what is is your flesh and your mind, all right? The uncontrolled flesh and the unrenewed mind are things that we have to deal with all of our days. So if I'm ever going to get a hold of this self-control issue, I've got to deal with those two parts of my being, okay? The mind and the body. Now, uh, another word that's used is the word temperate, all right? A, a self-controlled person is a temperate person. Now, one might ask, why do we need self-control if, if God is in control? Well, because He's not. I mean, I would think that would be evident within the very Word itself. The fact that we are told that we should have self-control must mean, then, that God does not control absolutely everything that happens. Everybody with me today? The reality of this is, you know, because people will say things like, God, just just take control. Just take control of my life. Well, he's not going to. Are you listening? That was weak, but he's not going to. Yeah, but I want him to. So, I've wanted some things and didn't get them before. Well, it's my will, it's my heart, I willingly, I want the Lord to just take control of my life, but He's not going to take control of your life. That's something He told you to have in your own life. Everybody listening? If you're a country person, you say, Jesus, take the wheel. Right? But He's not going to. Because then that would take away the necessity of me adding to my faith in Jesus a controlled life. The reality is this, the only way that God can have control in my life is if I gain self-control and submit it to Him. But He's not going to override my will, force me into a certain behavior, make me toe the line. No, no, no. He wants me to gain control of my mind and of my body and then offer it to Him. Say, Lord, I submit myself to You. Your will, Your plan, Your purposes, may they be established in my life. Come on now. But if I don't gain control, I don't have anything to offer Him. See, God is always going to be faithful to do His part. 
He's faithful to do what he promised, to to act on what he said. But he's never going to override and do our part. I say, Lord, I don't really want to do that. I want you to do that for me. (laughs) He's not going to. It, It comes into play when we're dealing with overcoming obstacles and challenges in life. Uh, whether you're talking about something like a healing in a person's body uh, or other things, many people, they ask the Lord to do everything for them. And that might sound good. That was not the Christian thing to do. Just ask God to do it. Not if he told you to do it. That would be rude. Lord, I don't want to do that. You do it. You're God. You're all powerful. You do it. No, he's not going to. What am I talking about? Well, Again, people want to make everything a matter of prayer, and I'm, I'm going to request that God do it. But what if he told me to do it? What if he told me, James 4, 7, to resist the devil, and he will flee from me? Well, what if I don't want to? Lord, I'm just praying that this problem will go away. No, no, no. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What if he said that I should speak to my mountain, and I'm determined to pray to God about my mountain? What is God going to do? Is he going to step in and say, okay, I'll go ahead and take your mountain out for you? No, he's not going to. I'm going to remain with mountains in my life until I do what he said and speak to it. Not pray about, oh, Lord, you know how big this mountain is. Lord, you understand all sides of this mountain. Because you're, you're, no, no. (laughs) That is a waste of time. But when I recognize my part, God has his part. He's faithful to do what he promised. But I have a part, and that's speak. That's command. That's do. And in this case, it's get control. If, if I, if Parents, if you give your kids an assignment, and you say, I want you to get out there and clean the garage. Get that garage cleaned up. And you go out there after a while, and the garage is not cleaned up. Do you step in and do it for them? You go and say, ah, well, they didn't do it. I'll go ahead and clean it up. Bad parent. <laughs> Time, you need a timeout? <laughs> Listen, what, what would the, the good parent do? Is they would leave that messy garage and let the kid, whoever they gave the assignment to, to fulfill the task given. Okay? God is not that. He's a good father. He's not going to tell us to do one thing and then because he's got it and we didn't do it, he's going to give us the option here. You know? Cleared for the option, as they say in, in flying. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, God's not going to step in and do it for us. It's still our responsibility. Even if He told us like 15 years ago. Well, it's been a long time. I guess I'll go ahead and take care of it for Him. Oh, no, no, no. It'll just stay. Messy garage for decades <laughs> until we decide to do what the Lord told us to do. Amen. We can't do His part, He won't do our part. Well, we're having fun so far. <laughs> Amen. You ever told your parents ever told your kids maybe they were when they're real young and they're having a little fit, <laughs> they're having a little to do, and having a little emotional something, and you just grabbed them and you said, "Control yourself." And they stopped and they gathered themselves together. I think the Father God wants to do that with us sometimes. We're just freaking out over things. Control yourself. That's a biblical concept. Get it together. And then we'll do something. What's the opposite of this principle? 
Well, it's being out of control. You ever been out of control or know someone who's been out of control? Well, that's not something that's godly, not something that we want. Um, I think about a car being out of control. Maybe you've driven a car out of control. You've seen one. Maybe someone was intoxicated. You saw them driving. They're swerving all over the place. I mean, that's a, you know, a wreck going somewhere to happen. It's dangerous. If you're driving a car and you're out of control, that car, what's the best advice? First thing is, is it's called slow down. If you can't control it going whatever speed you're going, slow down and you'll be able to have greater control. All right. Same thing's true in life. If you're if you feel like your life is out of control, man, it's just chaotic, it's just a mess, it's out of control, slow down, stop making decisions. Stop doing everything. Back up. Take time to get quiet. Take time to um observe the landscape, you know, and see what's before you and pray and be able to make rational, intelligent decisions. All right. People are going sometimes too fast. Now it's possible to go too slow. A lot of people don't do much in life because they're just crawling all their days. Uh, but there's a there's a happy medium in here where we can move forward, get things done, but be in control at the same time, submitting ourselves to the Lord. Now, um, the best example of this is Jesus. That guy, he had some control. <laughs> He absolutely had his act together. You can read about it in Matthew 26 and some other places. But uh, when when Jesus was about to be crucified, remember he was on trial and they were beating on him. They put the crown of thorns on him and they're spitting on him, mocking him, hitting him in the face. And they're saying, come on, tell us who you are. Come on, tell us if this be so or not. And you know, in the middle of all that, he just sat there and wouldn't say a thing. Pilate said, don't you know what they're accusing you of? Don't you have anything to say? And they marveled at him as he sat there in silence. I don't know. I'm pretty impressed. I don't know how. I mean, I'm trying to grow and everything, but I don't know how many times I'm going to get hit in the mouth without saying anything. You know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Volunteers? (laughs) Who can stay silent the longest? (laughs) I mean, that's control. That's control of your own being when you're able to withstand a heavy amount of pressure and keep your cool, keep your calm. And the Lord Jesus did that. And even the Apostle Paul, you know, he taught. It's it's interesting the language used in Acts 24 and verse 25. It says, now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. So Paul, Mr. Grace... Mr. Book of Romans teaching the grace of God, this was something that was a part of his conversation and a part of his message, and that is self-control, something very important for us to have in play in our lives. Let's go over to Romans 8 together, Romans chapter 8. I encourage you to look at these things. If you're new, we have these things on the screen, but it's better for you if you have your own Bible or your, your own notes and you can write things down and, and look things up. We want to remember, because let's not forget that ignorance is a problem, and we don't want to uh, forget about the things that we're hearing from the Lord. We want to retain. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Before we read, though, where, where does the problem of lack of control come from? What part? It comes, we could say it comes from the flesh. The flesh is the part of our being that we need to get in control. All right. 
Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. If I put my mind on fleshly things, I'm going to live according to them. I'm going to live a fleshly life, a carnal, natural, fleshly life. But if I will put my mind on spiritual things, then I am enabled, empowered to live a spiritual life. What's not going to happen is I, I am not going to live a spiritual life with a mind full of natural or carnal fleshly things. Does that make sense? I cannot have an overdose of carnality coming into my mind and expect, at least not rightly expect, to live a spiritual life. They are contrary to one another. They oppose. If I want to live a spiritual life, take advantage of all the privileges of being a child of God, then I must mind spiritual things. Never is it going to work different. Okay? You cannot think about the Lord once a week. Meditate on His Word once a week. Pray once a week. And live a spiritual life. Cannot. Zero. Everybody with me now? I'm not talking about going to heaven. not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about living a victorious life fruitful life okay cannot happen without that all right verse six for to be carnally minded is death carnal remember that's fleshy carnality is a fleshy life for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace so there's good results if i'll be spiritually minded i get life and peace otherwise i can die now, it's not usually death is an instant. It's slow death. You know, it's torture or enhanced interrogation. <laughs> it's death working in you little by little, little by little, eating away at your health, eating away at your finances, eating away at your relationships, eating away at your peace and your, your sanity, eating away. Death, 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 death. How, how does that come? It comes from being carnally minded. This puts us in our, in our ball court, doesn't it? It's not up to God. Oh, God, why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening? Let's mind the spiritual things, and then we invite our own destiny of godliness. All right. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. Did I already read that? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Amen. Let's, let's strip down to verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And he goes on to talk about being led by the Spirit of God. See, we can choose to keep spiritual things on our minds or fleshly things on our minds. It's up to us. We all have to deal with the physical body and the unrenewed mind continually, but if we don't, we, we will be subject to them and greatly limit our fruitfulness. Too many times, I think people have this idea that they can't control certain parts of their being. 
I can't control my thoughts. I can't control my actions. Uh, We need to stop thinking that way like immediately. If we are ever going to have victory and have a controlled life, we must accept the premise that we can. Not on our own, not our own ability, but through God's empowerment, we can override any impulses to to be carnal and to be to be uh you know fleshly or to be sinful we can we are not subject to those impulses and to the temptations that come against us you know the apostle paul was quite quite a guy revelation went to heaven saw jesus wrote a good portion of the new testament used of god mightily miracles and signs and wonders flowed through him the guy had some things together but it's interesting what he said about his own self and his own body okay and uh, if you'll read over in first corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27 you'll, you'll read that paul said about himself he said but i discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And if you'll read the context, he likened it unto, um, uh, unto a boxer. You'll read certain translations. He literally says, I-, I beat myself like a boxer. Now, he's not physically punching himself in the face. But he's talking about the severity with which he deals with his flesh. Your flesh cannot be trusted. If you give place to it, it will absolutely ruin your life. It will absolutely dominate anything spiritual about you. And we have to live in this body and we must keep it down. All of our days to this point where he said, man, I beat it up. (laughs) Again, figurative, but he's saying I deal roughly with the desires of my flesh. Because if I don't, I won't even be qualified to preach anymore. And he is holy. I mean, this is Paul. This guy is, I think he's committed. You know, after a couple beatings, you find out who's committed. <laughs> you know, stoning, shipwreck, all this stuff. He's there. But he said, I've got to deal with my flesh. You mean his flesh was talking to a, him? Do you mean that maybe Paul had thoughts from time to time that were completely unholy and unrighteous and ungodly? Absolutely, he did. He did. The most holy saints of God. People of God, love God, have thoughts at times that are wrong, sinful, ungodly. And if you've had thoughts, welcome to the human race. But it's one thing to have a thought. It's another thing to meditate on that thought. It's another thing to let that thought take up residence in your mind perpetually. You know, as one person said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head but you certainly can keep it from building a nest in your hair, you know. And you're not going to stop every wrong thought and every carnal um, idea from passing through your mind, but we absolutely have the ability to control whether we stay in that place, whether we maintain that thinking. Everybody with me? And uh, I think too many times people have the... They, Christians try to live with a sinner's mind, mindset. Like Peter said, you've forgotten that you were... For, forgiven of your old sins and they live with this thought that well you know you you know we can't you can't you just can't do that you know you just can't always overcome things I mean I'm only human and and we're just going to sin all the time I mean we're just going to sin every day just that's just who we are we can't really help that what bible verse did that come out of though 
Chapter what? Verse what? People adopt thinking by experience or through religion or through it's passed down from friends, whatever. They adopt thinking that's totally unscriptural and it limits their ability to overcome. See, my, my Bible never told me that after I get saved, I must sin every day. It, no, it never told me I'm only human. In fact, I see scriptures to the contrary that say that I've been freed from sin. I've been given a place victorious over it. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I've partaken of His divine nature. So I'm not only human anymore. I've been empowered by His Holy Spirit. What would a Holy Spirit do to a person? Make them unholy? (laughs) Would a a Holy Spirit who happens to be Almighty God, would He have an influence and an impact on a person's life enabling them to live above and free from sin? I, I would think so. But too many times people live as if he's not even there. Or if he is, he's weak, man. He's unable to cause, cause us to overcome. And that's not right. We've got to stop thinking powerless. Stop thinking weak. Stop thinking sin. And start thinking, his Holy Spirit lives in me. He has given me victory. And listen, I'm not going to raise my hand and say, I, I, I've lived a sinless life even after I've gotten saved. That's not true. I don't think that's true with anyone in here. But I'm not going to believe that I have to. I'm not going to believe that I have to sin. I'm going to believe if I do something wrong, you know, I was just playing a fool. I was doing something I chose to do. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to say, not going to say uh, I'm not responsible because I'm only human. No, I didn't have to do it. Right? You didn't have to do it. Praise God. He wants us to be able to take control of these things. But it's by His Spirit. It's by His grace and by His power that we're able to overcome. And so what you yield to will determine what kind of fruit you will bear. All right? We should practice being yielded to God and resistant to the impulses of the flesh. But here's the thing. I want to get... Go over to Galatians 5, and I'll show you something else. From Romans 8, I can see the spiritually-minded person lives a spiritual life. They have life and peace. The carnally-minded person, they go the opposite direction. How do I overcome wrong thinking, which leads to wrong living, which leads to death? And here's what so many times I think we try to do. We try to not be something. We try to not act a certain way. We try to not think improperly. As opposed to the biblical pattern would be not to not do something, but do do something. Don't not think about this. Think about this. Like like if I say, everyone here now, Everybody ready? Let's all do this together, okay? Nobody think about the brown dog. Don't, no, no, no. Stop it. All together now. Don't do it. No brown dog. 
and I want you to work on this. If, you, if you're struggling, if, if it came in, all day long, I want you to work on this. Here's how you're going to do it. When you leave here, get in the car and say, no brown dog, no brown dog, no brown dog. All right, when you, when you have lunch today, I'm not going to think about the brown dog. Lord, deliver me from the brown dog. You set me free from the brown dog. You can rebuke it, the brown dog, if you want. Do that all week. How many think you're going to come out ahead? You're going to come out of the other end of this thing. Man, I conquered the brown dog. I never think about the brown dog. <laughs> Here's a better idea. Watch. Think white dog. Everybody ready? Let's all do it together. White dog. Got it? See it? How many got it? See it? Where'd the brown dog go? I don't have time for brown dog and white dog. I can't do both. Well, I guess if they were together. (laughs) But that messes up the illustration. But here's the principle. And this is scripture. I'll show you this in a second. We don't want to not do something. We want to focus on something else. I don't overcome sin by trying not to sin. I don't overcome carnal thoughts by trying not to be carnally minded. I must be spiritually minded. That replaces the carnality. That enables me to live in victory. Galatians 5 verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Is that different from saying, stop fulfilling the lusts of the flesh? That is a big difference. It's a big, it's an entirely different approach to say, walk in the Spirit. But if you walk in the Spirit, the flesh is no longer an issue. You have just overcome by walking in the Spirit. I don't know about you, but this almost seems too good to be true. It almost seems too easy. You mean I just walk in the Spirit and I'm free? Absolutely. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And what many times happens in people's lives is they're so law-minded. What do I mean law-minded? Don't do this. Don't act this way. Don't say this. And they know all the things that they're not supposed to do. And all that does is give the law strength. It gives the law empowerment over their life. Don't focus on what you're not supposed to do. Let's get focused on what we are supposed to do. Let's just be spiritually minded. Then there will be a natural outflow of spiritual activity. And life, ooh, and the life of God is, that's another sermon. (laughs) Life and peace will be prevalent in all of our existences. If I just... Walk in the Spirit. Verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. This is what comes out of the flesh. If you want to be real law-minded and rule-minded and, and, and focused on this, this is what's going to happen. This is your flesh is going to go, Wah! there's a lion in there, and here's what it does. It's not pretty. Ready? Verse 20, uh, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, 
outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Did I skip some? Lost my place. Sorry, let me start over. (laughs) Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Everybody say, you. This is, this is a possibility for every one of us. I'm telling you. So I would never do those things. If you walk in the flesh, you will. You will eventually. Because those are the kinds of things the flesh gravitates towards. My only course of victory and recourse against that is not to try not to do it, but is to focus on the right thing. Is to be spiritually minded. Then that stuff will not have any inroad. Or opportunity to manifest. But look. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And what? Self-control against such. There is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What naturally comes out of us, out of our born-again spirit, if I'll be spiritually minded, self-control will be a normal way of my life. I'm not going to be out of control and chaotic and ah, pulling out my hair because I can't get a handle on life. No, self-control is a part of who I am in Christ. It's God's spirit empowering my spirit to overcome my flesh and my mind, to do things that are right. Do we want to produce flesh fruit or spirit fruit? Yeah, it's up to us what kind of fruit we bear. We can do this. Let me give you seven things that we must control. Seven things we must control. Number one, number one, our appetite. We must control our appetite. How many know one of the greatest desires, the strongest desires of human beings is food, (laughs) is to eat. Do not be run by your stomach. Do not make your belly your God. Come on, who's in charge here? Lock the doors. There he goes, talking about my lunch today. (laughs) No judgment happening here. But we've got to be in control. That is an area that dominates people's lives. They live for food. They li- and they don't have control. And if you want to have control in one area of your life, get control in other areas. It's like, it's like lifting weights. If you want to be fit all over the place, you can't leave out, you know, big muscle groups. Because being strong in one area will help you be strong in other areas. And if you want to say, this is not really an issue with me, or I don't want it to be an issue, uh, be, be in control in that area. It will help you overcome in other areas that are of bigger, a bigger deal. Yeah. Number one, your appetite. Number two, sexual passions. You must control sexual passions. People ruin their lives all day long because they, they don't have a, have a hold of this area of their life. And they're driven by and run by, you know. And the Lord empowers us. Come on, self-control is part of the fruit of the Spirit. I just can't help myself. I just, I see this and I just, 
One, as much as possible, stop seeing that. Two, God's Spirit enables you to have control in that area of your life. And that's a serious deal. Come on. It messes people up long term. They don't have control of that area of their life. Number three, we must control our emotions. We must control our emotions. We all have feelings. We all have emotions that go and up and down and do different things. We must be in control of them. All right. People who are feeling led, are, they don't make a good anything. They don't make a good employer. They don't make a good employee. They don't make a good spouse. They don't make a good friend. People who are just feeling, well, I feel this. And, they're, and I don't mean to sound cruel here, but always hurt, always offended, or always upset. People who have anger problems, man, that can be a serious crippling effect upon your life. If you can't control your anger, and there's all kinds of different emotions. What's the answer here? Control yourself. Come on, don't let those things dominate you, and by God's Spirit, you can. Number three, emotions. Number four, your thoughts. Number four, we must control our thoughts. We've talked about that some already, but you don't have to think anything that comes by. So I can't control what I think. You can. Stop saying that. We absolutely can control what we meditate on. And again, let me say it again, don't just resist the thought, but replace the thought. Get distracted by righteousness. Get distracted by godly things so that ungodly things don't really have any place in your life. Number five, we must control our behavior. That's our actions. That's what we do. I just can't help myself in these situations. Stop saying that. You can help yourself. You can control what you do. We're making decisions all day long where we go, what we say, what we do. And uh, your behavior must be controlled. Number six, we must control our mouth. Our mouth. How many people's mouths have gotten them into big trouble in life? Man, especially if you combine that with number three, emotions. <laughs> and uh, emotions rise up and then the mouth is uncontrolled and people say things. They, you know, they start fights. They say things in, a, in their marriage that cause pain and suffering and it takes a long time to repair and people do all kinds of things. They don't, you don't control your mouth, man, it's going to be a rough go. You know, James said, James taught us, if you will control your mouth, man, you'll turn like a ship. You'll turn your life around by saying the right thing. It's a real big deal. Control your mouth. Number seven, you must control your finances must control your finances. Finances are part of our life. If we don't have control in that area, man, you could be doing well in a lot of different areas, but if you can't stop spending money, if you can't stop borrowing money, start, stop doing everything on credit and all that kinds of stuff, that's going to be a huge hindrance to your life. It absolutely is. Some of you have experienced that and you know, man, that just cripples you in what you're able to do. The Lord wants us to have control. Sometimes the blessing of God will come to people financially, but then they, they can't handle it because they spend everything that comes. They buy all their stuff the moment it comes. And uh, we've got to have control in that area of our lives. Galatians 6.8 says, He who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. It's up to us what we're sowing towards. And it will enable or empower us to overcome. Which part of you are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh? Are you feeding the spirit? The flesh will never be satisfied. It always wants more. 
You know, it'll, it'll take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you, you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Flesh cannot be trusted. It can never be satisfied. You know, in closing, we have a little dog. He's a man dog. Hercules. He's about this big. About five pounds. Now and then, he'll get into, some, someone will leave something out, um, a little piece of chocolate. And we understand that chocolate is bad for dogs, or at least our kind of dog. But he really likes it. So if he gets into chocolate, he'll eat it all up. But you know what happens the next day? He walks around. His ears are flopped. His tail's between his legs. He just kind of walks around, following you around. Got to take care of him. He feels terrible. And he probably is like, what's going on here? But you know, if I give him chocolate the next day, because the next day he'll be back to normal. If you gave him chocolate, he'd eat it again. And then the next day. I think sometimes we do that. And we laugh at the dog. Why would you eat the chocolate? If it does that to you, why would you do that? Well, why would the partier, you know, go out and get slammed even though they're hanging over the toilet the next day or the same night, you know? Why, why do they do that? Oh, I'm just having a great time. Really? That's fun? You like that? Why do we do things in our lives? Sometimes we, we feed stuff into us. We, we allow, allow this gunk and bunk to occupy our thoughts, knowing that tomorrow it's not going to produce life and peace. It's going to produce death working in us. Let's recognize what's happening. In the last days... One of the prominent characteristics the Bible says would be that people would not have self-control. Our day, there'd be a widespread, rampant disease, so to speak, going around where people are just reckless, out of control, no restraints to their life. They live crazy. If that's true about our day, we know that we've got to keep a special watch on this keep our guard up lest we fall prey to what everyone around us in the world is falling prey to. Self-control. God enables us. He helps us. And we, we live in victory. We produce fruit. And we never fall. You believe that today? Praise God. Father, we just love you. We just honor you and bless you today. Thank you for helping us to see these principles and these truths. Thank you for helping us to overcome in every situation and circumstance, you are the God who's more than enough, the God who's faithful, the God who is reliable. You will always do your part, and you even help us, you even empower us and strengthen us to do our part. But Lord, together, we will always stand. And Lord, I thank you for what you're working in us today, chicka, 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 cleaning us up helping us to get the dead branches out that we might produce more fruit and much fruit for the kingdom of God and it'll last for eternity what a faithful God you are we answer the call Lord we listen to what you say thank you for being so kind and loving and showing us the way in Jesus name
In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, I'm